Welcome to Empowered for Life, a weekly audio podcast with Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, teaching the Bible with clarity and relevance, tackling today's topics and issues, bringing healing and restoration into the lives of hurting people. Hello, greetings and welcome. I'm your host, Pastor Dr. Dwight A. Smith, here with podcast episode number five, Accessing Kingdom Teachings that Relate to Daily Living. In this session, we want to begin with the question, Jesus, is he God? Who is Jesus? Where did he come from? What was his mission? And what did he accomplish? And what will he do in the future? What are his plans for your life and for mine, for your future and for my future? What are his plans for the future of the world? What is his relationship with God? And what kind of a relationship does Jesus want to have with his followers? How are are his words relevant to each of us and our families right now? Jesus spoke with a level of confidence and authority. He also backed up his claims with action that proved his claims to be absolutely true. He not only claimed that he could raise people from the dead, but he revealed or raised, revived a corpse that had been rotten in the tomb for days and did it in front of eyewitnesses. We see that in John's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. He not only claimed that he was going to be executed and buried for three days and then rise from the dead, this claim was fulfilled and his disciples didn't believe it until he appeared to them in their midst after his resurrection. Jesus made other incredible claims. He said he was the light of the world and he embodied eternal truth. He claimed to be the only path that men and women could enter into an eternal relationship with God. He claimed to be in perfect unity with the Father, God, and the only one and he was the only one who had ever seen God. Let's take a closer look at Jesus, beginning in the gospel according to St. John. Before looking at the gospel according to St. John, one of the most intriguing and little known aspects of scripture is the purpose behind biblical names. Parents would select the names for their children with an understanding that the names had meaning and gave descriptive clues about the child's physical features or character traits or even their purpose in life. No doubt, God the Father divinely selected the name for Jesus. Now, we use the name Jesus, but the Hebrew name was Yeshua. Yeshua defines his purpose, but it tells us about him. The Hebrew name Jesus or Yeshua is personal. His name means Savior or Lord. 
or the Lord saves. His names also included Messiah. The Hebrew word Messiah translated Christ in the Greek is the prophetic name for Jesus. And it means the anointed one. The word Messiah describes the anointed one of God, stating that Jesus was the anointed one of God. He was anointed as prophet, priest, and king. He was the one prophesied in the Bible to lead God's people. We'll take a closer look at some of these names of Christ as we go along. Now let's go to John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse number 1. John chapter 1, verse number 1. John begins his Gospel, his account of the good news, the true story of Jesus Christ, by calling Jesus the Word, Word being Logos. By using this title, John presents Jesus as the personal Word of God, through whom God spoke all things into existence. John begins by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So here we see John identifying, number one, that the Word was in the beginning with God. He identifies that the Word was also God. Now we, in looking in who was God or what does he want, we saw that God speaking to the children of Israel declared that the Lord God is one. And we come to understand that word used for one did not necessarily mean one as an individual such as counting one, two, three, but also we came to understand that the word one and the way that it was used many times in the scripture also referred to a unit such as, and a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and the two shall be one flesh. So we saw how more than one could be unified and being unified with the same purpose was identified as one. And so when we saw and looked at God the Father and God the Word, we see them in unity and we see them working together to fulfill the same purpose. They are working as one. So we see here that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. We saw that in Genesis that God said, and understanding that everything that was said had to be said with words. So we saw Jesus in the beginning with God. Here it says that all things were made through him and were made by him. And without him, nothing was made that had been made. And we see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, verse 6, 9, verse 14, 20, and verse 24. The Bible also reveals that God spoke to us by his Son. 
in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. In times past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him, he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So we see here, in the beginning was the word. Isaiah 55, 11 says it this way. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So you see here, God is saying he will send his word. His word will not be empty or void of purpose, but it will come with a purpose. And the purpose of God, that which God desires the word to do, the word will fulfill that desire. It will fulfill the actual purpose that God sends it into the earth to do. So you see here, God says, I'm going to send my word. And that's what we must understand. He sent his word into the earth. His word came into the earth, born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothing, laid in a manger. His word, for the word of God tells us that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So the word came into the earth and was wrapped in flesh. The word lived dwelt among us. We touched him, handled him. We saw the glory, the expressed image of the Father in the life of Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. We saw the compassion. We saw the love. He came in and he, the word of God, tells us, God said he will not be empty or void. He came with power. He came with ability. He came with purpose. He came to defeat, to destroy the works of darkness. He came and defeated Satan. He came and took the keys of the kingdom. He came, lived, died, rose again, and in doing so, he brought back to the Father God, many sons. God sent him that he would bring back to him many, many, many sons. It goes on to say that the word, he was with God in the beginning. So you see, the word was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. And without him was not anything made 
that had been made. In him was life. We find that life is in Christ. Life is in Jesus. Look also at John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 25. It says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority. The Father has given the Son authority. Authority to judge. Because the Son, because he is the Son of Man. So you see, God is saying that the Son, Jesus, or Yeshua, he has granted him life in himself and also the ability to judge. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. So we see also that in Christ is not only light, life, but light. For with you, Psalms 36 and 9 says, for with you is the fountain of life. Speaking of Christ, with Christ is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. In Psalms, the psalmist is saying that as we see Jesus, we see light. We see revelation. We see truth. We come to understand that he has life in himself. Back in John's gospel, it says, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shined in darkness, light being truth, darkness being ignorance. So the truth shined over ignorance or over darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. John came to point towards the light, to testify of the light, the true light that gives light to every man or to everyone who comes into the world. So you see, Jesus comes to give true light, to give truth, to give revelation knowledge of the triune God, to allow man to get back into right fellowship with God, that he might know God and that he might have a relationship with God. He came into the world so that this would be established. It goes on to say he was in the world and though the world was made by him, the world did not know him. So we see Jesus came into the world into a world that he created. He was creator of the universe, came into the world, and being in the world as a man, walking, living in the world, the world did not know him. They did not recognize him. Not only did they not know or recognize Yeshua or Jesus the Christ in that day, but even today, with all of the insight and information, the history, the uh, revelation of who Christ is, there are those who still say he did not exist. There are those who still say he's not the son of God. There are those who are still 
in darkness and living under the ignorance uh, or the power of darkness, bound by the prince of darkness and not able to see the light. But our purpose is to reveal who Jesus is. Our purpose is to shine the spotlight on the light so that we can come out of darkness and come in to the light. The word of God says in John, he came to that which his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So he said, I came to my own, my brothers and my sisters, and they didn't believe me. They didn't receive me. So I, I extended this gospel. I extended this truth to whoever would receive it. He says, and then the moment you believe the gospel truth, the moment you believe that I am the son of the living God, the moment you believe that I came into the earth, I lived, I died, I rose again, that I am now seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you. The moment you believe that I did all of this in order that your sin might be forgiven of you and that you might be reconciled back to the Father, for sin had separated you from him. The moment you believe that you now are back in right standing with the Father, that you have righteousness through Christ, the moment you believe and accept this truth, you become children of God. Let's look at John 1 verse 14. For it says, the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. We seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Galatians 4 and 4 says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that he might receive adoption to sonship. What that is saying to us is that God had an appointed time. He had a, a particular time in which he would send his son into the world. For it, it has always been God's desire to have sons. For if we read even in the Old Testament, the Bible speaks of, at one point, the angels being called his sons. It says the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair to look upon and took as many as they would as wives. Then we see that God identifies the nation of Israel as his son. He calls the nation of Israel his firstborn son. But we find that the nation of Israel, his firstborn son, did not walk in continuous fellowship and in the type of relationship 
that he desired to have with them. And so he continued to seek a son. And so what he did was he sent his word into the earth to be born of a woman at a set time. There was a set time in which he would come and be born of a woman under the same law that everyone else had to live by. He was under the same law and he too had to live according to that law. Why? Because if he had not lived according to the law, then he could not have fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. But he did this so that we could be adopted back into fellowship, right standing, or back into the family of God. The scripture says we have seen his glory. Exodus chapter 33 verse 18 says, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see my face and live. Now notice what the Lord says to Moses. He says that as he passed in front of him, he will proclaim his name. We see that his name is also the name which is given to his son, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will proclaim his name before him. He will show him his goodness. The Bible declares that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus showed the character and the nature of the Father. He even said things like, the work that I do is not my own. I do what I see my Father do. The words I speak unto you, they are not my own. I say what I hear my Father say. In other words, what Jesus is saying to, him, to us is that I am imitating my Father. As a child imitates his father, so am I imitating the Lord God. I am showing you what God would do if he physically walked the earth. I'm showing you the love that the Father has for you. I'm showing you the compassion that the Father has for you. For you are like sheep without a shepherd. You are lost, and I am acting on behalf of the Father to gather you back together and bring you into the fold. He says, I'm here to show you the glory of the Father. So you see, John said, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full 
of grace and truth. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus proclaims this. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So here we see Jesus makes some proclamations. Number one, he declares himself to be I am. I am is the same name that God used with Moses at the burning bush. When Moses asked the question, who shall I tell the children of Israel sent me? And God tells him to tell them that I am have sent you. I am that I am. So we see Jesus declares himself to be I am. Then he says, he is the way. Now, there are those who will tell you that there are many ways to the Father. There are many roads that lead to God, that there are many religions, and that there is no one true religion or one true road that would lead you to the Father. However, Jesus states that he is the way and he is the truth. Truly, he is the way, and no one can come to the Father except they come through him. In other words, what he's saying is the fact that he has come as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, the fact that he came in order that the sin in which Adam committed would be forgiven of man, that the only way that man could get back into proper alignment, proper fellowship, into right standing with God, the only way that man could become righteous, they had to come by way of Jesus Christ. They had to come through Christ. They had to receive the sacrifice that God gave so that man would be deemed righteous. For you see, when you look at the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, when man sinned, he had to bring a lamb to the priest to offer as a sacrifice for his sin. And his sin would be forgiven because of the sacrifice that he offered. So he had to be obedient to offer the sacrifice in order to be forgiven of the sin. God offered the sacrifice for your sin and my sin, and that sacrifice was his own son. He offered his own son that his son would die for the sin of the world, and that through that death, through that burial, through that resurrection, that our sin would be forgiven us. For the word of God tells us that cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree, and that the Son of God, the Son of Man, would have to be hung upon a tree, and that on that tree, as he's hung there, he would carry the sin, he would carry the curse, he would carry sickness and disease all in his body, all of the things that sin brought into the earth would be nailed to the tree with him. 
And when he died and rose from the dead and went into the presence of God, offering his blood as a sacrifice for our sin, God accepted his blood, thus making him the only way that we could get in right standing with God the Father. Look at verse 15. John testifies concerning Jesus. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So John identifies the eternity that is in Jesus, stating that Jesus was before John ever existed and he will be after John. He also says that out of his fullness, we have received grace, stating that grace, our grace comes out of Jesus, out of his fullness. And that grace is in place of grace already given. What grace was that that was already given? Verse 17 says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses gave us the law. The Bible tells us that the law was a schoolmaster. And the law was given to show us that we could not measure up, that we could not live up to the righteous requirement or the standard set by the law. For it told us that even though we kept one, if we broke one, we were guilty of breaking them all. And so Jesus came and with him, he brought grace. Grace being God's unmerited, undeserved favor. Grace being the empowering presence of God. So that once we receive what Jesus did, we receive the grace of God, the undeserved favor. That's as if a man had committed a crime and was deemed guilty of that crime but yet when he went to receive the verdict for that crime, he was set free as if he had never committed the crime at all. What Jesus did for us in his dying on the cross was to make it possible for God to forgive us for sin as if we had never committed a sin at all as if we had never done anything wrong, as if we have never thought a wrong thought. He says, we are totally forgiven of everything that we have ever done that was deemed unrighteous. And so Jesus made it possible for us to be reconciled back to the Father to be back in fellowship, back in relationship, to be back in communication, to be able to fully experience and understand the love that the Father has for us. That's what Jesus came to give. 
thank you for tuning in to Empower for Life. If you're ready to shake off religion and tradition, to be, to do, and to have everything God purpose for you, then continue to tune in as we answer your questions and reveal to you the mysteries and secrets of the kingdom of God. Feel free to email us your questions and prayer requests at TV at AOL.com. That's TV at AOL.com. Or visit us online at www.empoweredforlife.tv. Again, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to sharing the Word of God with you.